This is Dumbline, the podcast of dumb crimes and even dumber criminals. All right, you dummies. Welcome back. And I say dummies with all the respect in the world. We had like a really overwhelming response of people suggesting and wanting to be called dummies. <laughs> with, We actually had people say they wanted shirts that say, I'm a dummy with our logo of the three of us in silhouette. So... I love um, dummies as well. Yeah, yeah. Dummies is okay, right? It's better than... I love dummies. Dumbheads. Dumbnation. Just dummies. Just dummies. Dumbnation. Yeah, yeah. Dumbnation. So we wear that term with proud. We're all dummies. You could be a dummy too. All you got to do is listen to us. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Welcome back. I am your host, Greg. I am joined by my golfing buddy, Jason. How's it going, everybody? And our resident punk rock artist, Maria. Hi, everybody. I've been around Jason a bit this week, and he's been venting about something that I can relate to. Although you're one of these people who does the new phone updates immediately when they come out. Immedi- immediately, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm kind of like a. I would say it like a technophile. I need to have like I, I want everything new. I like the the latest technology, and I update all of my my stuff immediately. And how's that working out for you? Sucks. <laughs> sucks. <laughs> I need a new phone now. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the updates always suck for the first week or two, and then they have to send an update to the update, yeah. and then you're much better off. It, it's so buggy, and then everything's right online, just like, just wipe your phone and start over, and that works. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I want to do. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's been, it's been a frustrating <laughs> So, well, when you get your new phone, maybe you come over to the iPhone so we can have, like, normal group messaging. <laughs> no, no thanks. These no. Android people no. fuck up all the group messaging. <laughs> that's true. You can have six iPhones and one Android, and pictures come through all blurry and weird. Everything's fucked up. It's discrimination. We're, we're discriminated against. All of us Android lovers, you kind of are. Yeah, as well you should be. It, it's getting better. I mean, we don't we don't like your 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 stuff either. All right, so we are getting ready to roll. We are on episode, I think seven. Mm-hmm. Woo! How about that? Mm-hmm. I think we've survived longer than seventy eight percent of all podcasts out there. I think that's the number I read. Really? No, I'm just making it up, but oh. it sounds good. Yeah, it makes us feel good about what we're doing here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's get rolling, Maria. Give us some. Give, give us something good. I love, I love fake stats like that. That's was very believable. It's all about the delivery. It did, it did sound really believable. I'm like, huh? Well, we're doing something right here. <laughs> okay, so today's episode proves that dumb criminals have not gotten dumber over time. I mean, it's not like they've gotten smarter either. Sources today include the Police Journal from 1920. Murder. Nin- whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. Time machine. Oh, yeah. Prohibition. Uh, yeah. Great Depression. Yeah. 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 Go back in We're time. We're going back in time. <laughs> All right, buddy. Hold on here. I got a knife here, buddy. <laughs> hey, what do you say? Yeah, rub you out. Rubbing you out, kid. <laughs> um, other sources are Murderpedia, which I don't know if you guys think. Murderpedia? There is a of, Murderpedia. What? That, that, doesn't, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's there's so a, awesome. There's an everythingpedia. Murderpedia. Can just the community come in and update this? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe Wugong was not in there from episode six, so maybe we need to add Wugong. Are there, um, I guess there are Murderpedia moderators? I suppose there huh, are. I'm assuming it operates exactly like Wikipedia. <laughs> is it a dot org? <laughs> Um, oh, I think so. Interesting. 
Let's just. I can't believe I was quick. so into serial killers when I was a kid. It's all I read in high school for the most part. Serial killer books. Yeah. I can't believe I don't know about Murderpedia. I feel like uh, uh, I feel like Grandpa. Oh, Grandpa. It's just that it's this weird. It's that weird draw. I, I don't know what it is. It's a it's a weird draw about like Ted Bundy and all that stuff. You just I don't know. You just read about that stuff. It's I just notice you have like the old school nineteen twenty. It's a very nice dress, but it's got the old school nineteen twenty inmate kind of. It is. To it. <laughs> it is. I didn't even think about that. I'm all themed up. It is murderpedia dot org. By oh, the way. All right. Cool. Okay. So Marie Louise Victorine Gruet was born in 18... 18- oh, my God. Are we serious with these names? I'm going to give the whole names, and then we're going to use short give versions. It to, give it to me so again. Where, where are we? Marie Louise Victorine Gruet. Sounds like New Orleans. Marie Louise. She ended up in Paris. I think her family was probably French. Paris Gruet? in the 20s. Yeah. G-R-O-U-E-S. Mm-hmm. Paris in the 20s is probably great. Oh. When did Paris suck? It's true. I've, ne- I've never. I don't been. think Paris has I've ever never been. Um, so Marie Louise Victorine Gruet was born in 1868 and was the daughter of a silk merchant. Um, after traveling to Mexico to work for her father's firm in 1892, that is a long trek. From yeah, France to Mexico. Yeah, that that had to have taken months. In 1892, months. Months well, to get there. Okay, here's the thing. I she wasn't. <laughs> It doesn't say that she was born in France, okay. but she is definitely French. Okay. So it's possible she was living in Mexico. Oh, no, because they did say she traveled to Mexico to work for her father's firm. So maybe he was living in Months to in get France. there. Yeah. Like that that travel back then. It's like a rowboat. Oh, <laughs> 1892. After traveling to Mexico to work for her father's firm in 1892, she met Pierre Paul Antoine Jacques. Very long. Bunch of Frenchies in Mexico. Could that mean get any more French? Pierre Paul, what? Jacques? Pierre Paul Antoine Jacques. It's it's all, it's four of the most popular French names all put together. There's a bingo thing and they just picked out four names. Um, So he becomes her first husband. Paul was wealthy and he was a silk merchant. That's what we we just call Jean Pierre or Pierre Paul Antoine Jacques. We just call him Paul. Paul. Okay. Paul. Yeah. It's Paul Jacques for short. Like when they talk about him in the media, um, they call him Paul Jacques. So. What was the media? Here ye, here ye, hey ye. Extra, extra, read all about it. <laughs> the town, do they have town crier still? With just the, the printing press, old school printing press going. <laughs> Working on the old Gutenberg. Yeah. Getting, yeah. <laughs> getting out newspapers. Okay. Oh, so sorry. they moved to Paris from Mexico after they married in 1897. They had a daughter, Pauline, in 1898, and then a daughter, Louise, in 1900. However, Louise is never mentioned again in anything. So I have no idea. I I think she might have died young. So when they get to Paris, Marie begins holding salons, and she starts writing. She publishes a romance novel that was somewhat successful. She wrote poetry, fiction, literary reviews, and plays, and founded a Paris newspaper called L'Entente. She was a feminist, a spiritualist, and a suffragist. She was also very, very dumb. <laughs> so her pseudonym was Hera Mertel, which is the name by which she is best known when it comes to writing. There are a lot of things about her as a writer in different anthologies and um, histories about writers in Paris. Hera Mertel? Hera Mertel. But her second husband's last name was Becerabo. Well, what happened to Paul? We'll get back to that. I'm just uh, explaining. I mean, jumping to the second husband. I'm not. I'm not jumping. Right. She is known as Marie Becerabo 
um, for dumb line reasons. This is exactly like this is impossible. <laughs> if Maria could just find a couple simple <laughs> one syllable names with like three people. This I'm is just, insane. Okay. I don't even know where you're at with the, you, whatever you just said. I have no idea. I, well, okay. I wish everybody could see Greg's <laughs> notepad. There's just, there's just names everywhere. It's like we you, you have to like. We went from. Let me finish a sentence. Oh, it's Marie so Louise so Victorine Groyer, and then she's Hera Martel, and then you got something else popping yeah, up now. So she's okay. So as a writer, she was known as Hera Martel. Yeah. Her, her her married name. Her, her married name husband. with her second husband is Becerra Beau, and that is how she made it on Dumbline. So she is known for crime with that last name, and as a writer with Mertel. So she's Marie Louise Victorine Gruet, officially. <laughs> no, but where? What does she drop? Did she she becomes Marie Barabelle. Louise Victorine Barabel. When she marries <laughs> Paul Jacques, she becomes Marie Louise Victorine Jacques. Right, 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 right. And then she, she has married. A, yeah. She got divorced. Um, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we're going back to Paul. We're going back to Paul. Okay. And okay. we're using first names, so we're not going to go back and forth with Becerabu. I'm not going <laughs> to do that to Greg because it'll be a bad episode. We'll, be, we'll have a meltdown. It could be good. I don't know. It could be. No, it could be hilarious, but... <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot of names. I need a bong this, after this, this. <laughs> this running theme with you and all the, the names, names is... Uh. <laughs> okay. So over the course of her marriage to Paul, mm-hmm. Marie had numerous affairs, which her husband kind of struggled with but knew about. She was very open about the fact that she was having affairs. What a weirdo. He struggled with that? Well, <laughs> should be totally yeah. normal. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, in 1914, Marie begged Paul to take her to Mexico, and he refused to do so. Yeah, because it takes six months yeah. to get there. Yeah, he's like, are you fucking kidding me? We left in 19-whatever, and now it's 1914. We're going to turn right around and go back? Yeah. So, as a, you know, in reaction to this refusal of taking her to Mexico, she decides to make him some soup. Mm. And their housekeeper happened to see Marie sprinkle something white into the soup. So when she served it... Salt. To Paul, she told him she hoped he would like the flavoring Marie added. Paul did not eat the soup. <laughs> oh, Paul was on. Paul was wise to this. <laughs> he knew this lady wants to get to Mexico. She's about to rub me out. Yeah. So he took a little bit of it to a chemist, and it turned out it had lethal poison in it. Wow. It didn't say what kind of lethal poison, but there was lethal poison. Unfortunately, like for this is, what is this? Nineteen eighteen. This I, guy's got a chemist was, friend who can just has a food I laboratory to determine what's in. There. Like, I was just going to say the same thing. It's early nineteen hundreds, and they can break down soup and like chemical just, compounds. He right away and analyze it. Right away, he puts it in Tupperware. And he's running off. He's like, oh, my my food chemist friend will break this down for me. There's not even Tupperware yet. And he can can break down the the chemical compound of soup. And and, 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 no, rat poison. You're right. Rat poison. Yeah. I mean, I I guess they had to have something for like food quality. They had to be able to test (laughs) for chemicals. Sure. Sure. But. I don't even, with the internet, I don't know if I could find a food, how long would it take me to find a, lo- a food laboratory place or a chemist that would just break this down for me? They were extremely rich. They okay. probably had some advantages. Right. But yeah, so apparently, you know, um, unfortunately for Paul, he blew it off. He was like, yeah, she was just do we, do, 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 having a day. Do we know what the, yeah, it's just that time of the month, you know how she gets. I, uh. I, I, I am... Um, I am potentially poisoned once a month. Do we know what kind of poison it was? 
No, it okay. didn't say what kind. Just bad. Just poison. Just bad. Yeah. It's so they could, just, the report came back like the skull with the cross poster. <laughs> <laughs> just poison. Bad. Do not yeah, take. They don't have a name. It just. <laughs> Maybe that's how they test it. They just dip a piece of paper in. It's yeah. like a skull and crossbones yeah. comes yeah. out, and they're like, "Don't eat this." They gave it to a mouse. It died. They're like, "No, bad." <laughs> Maybe, maybe that is what happened. That's not a bad idea. Let's just get to this house and see what happens. Um, so he ended up staying married to Marie. Um, then on so March fifth, he just wait, please just so lays like, it off. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Or poisonings that. Common so we're gonna. I, I have a feeling, not to like be a spoiler. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna talk about Marie. Marie being dumb, but I mean, this guy. Yeah. This, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and we don't like the victim shame or anything. Shame, but, uh, come on, man. But this guy, we all know where this is going. This guy, <laughs> yeah. this guy's probably not going to make it through the episode. <laughs> yeah, right. And, He's not going to make it through the next line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and he stayed. That's, that's a shame. So on March 5th, 1914, about two months after she poisoned his soup, Paul was found dead of a gunshot wound to the head. It was ruled a suicide, though. Mm, interesting. So the very next day, Marie began making plans to return to Mexico with Pauline. Shocker. Pauline. Oh, her daughter. The daughter. The daughter. Yeah. The daughter. When she arrived. Like Pauline. <laughs> I, got, I, I caught myself. I know. I got it. I'm on it. I know you are. When Marie arrived loaded with her dead husband's money in Mexico, she once again began holding salons, but this time she kind of branded herself as a mystical novelist. So she'd have these spiritual salons. Um, and she soon met. Here we go again with the name. Don't write the whole name down because it's it's he has an alias. She soon met Ishmael Jacob. <laughs> of course she did. Oh, of course she did. <laughs> uh, uh. Ishmael Jacob Providence Weissman, <laughs> who called himself George Basarabo. George Basarabo. Why? Do- Everybody have six names in this episode. It must be it must be French that they no, add. I like I feel like I'm being gaslit. It's like you two are in cahoots with these four people names for everybody. That's course, actually how I researched. Ishmael pops in. Of course. Okay, so George is his name for the rest of the episode. Yeah. They married in 1915. Well, why wouldn't Ishmael be George? George, he went George. George. Um, they married in 1915 and returned to Paris in 1916. It probably took them that long yeah, to get back. Yeah. They, they left January 1, got back January 1. Uh, Marie continued to hold mystic salons. Um, and was, at those salons, they attempted seances and other mystical rituals. She also that had was affairs. Huge back then. There yeah, was yeah. Like the, like the seances and, and Yeah, and they would like... They would like, well, they would have like certain like, like string attached to things. There was a big, like, they would just scam people on and people thought that like there were all these ghosts, but it was just, just like smoke and mirrors. People believed it too. Um, She also kind of forced her second husband to be comfortable with her, what was called conferences with other men. She'd hold conferences, private conferences with male writers and stuff. And Mm -hmm. in 1918, George awoke to find Marie choking him. And she instantly told him she didn't know what had come over her. She started crying. And by 1920... Wait a second. Yeah. Like, she thought that he would just choke out in his sleep and not wake up. I don't know what she was thinking. She doesn't seem to have a good grip on reality. As we go through this, she is deluded about her power and her her life, for Mm -hmm. sure. All right. So she doesn't know what came over her. She doesn't know what came over her. Sorry, 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 boo. 
I don't know what happened here. Just I just went into a blind rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choking, yeah. It's hysteria, right? Yeah. Oh, right. Would, give me a vibrator. I got hysteria. Exactly <laughs> the time period of hysteria. hysteria. And by 1920, George was ready to leave her after she attempted to shoot him and missed. <laughs> That's her so, second go-to. So this, She'll try something else the first time. If the first one doesn't work, like, she shoots them. You know what? Fuck it. Yeah, Where's yeah. my gun at? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> try try to fuck with the soup? Nope. Shoot him. <laughs> try to choke him out of sleep? Nope. Shoot at him. <laughs> Miss. Damn. What's number three? So, um, but Marie, he, he leaves. He leaves no, after the, she tells yeah. him that she's going to tell everybody what his business dealings are if he leaves her. So he must have been doing something under the table, something illegal that he didn't want well, to get out. Dance with the devil. Yeah. Um, on July 30th, 1920, Marie shot George while he slept. <laughs> She's got no plan She's, three. Yeah, it's, it's shoot, it's just, shoot, and it's shoot. Just, it's just straight to gun. The first random thing doesn't work. Ah, fuck it. I'll just shoot. Yeah. So Marie, after she shot him while he slept, she rolled over and went to sleep in bed next to the dead body. Her daughter Pauline heard the shot from her bedroom, went to her mother's door, and saw George's head resting on a pillow and thought nothing of it and went back to bed. I'm, I'm, I'm used to this. She does this Maybe. all, yeah, she she's does this all the time. Yeah, she does this all the time. Like, Okay, so here comes the duck. <laughs> the next morning after making breakfast, Marie so he's still in bed. He's still in bed. She's like, I'm hungry. In, sleeping in. Um, she attempted to move George's body after struggling <laughs> so for a we while. All, we all know <laughs> you don't get far with a dead body. <laughs> it is very difficult. <laughs> To move a dead body. So she decided she had to tell Pauline what had happened and ask her daughter for help getting rid of the body. Nobody ever thinks about what they're going to do with the body afterwards. And they're like, fuck, this thing is heavy. Let me just ask the daughter. What do I do with your dad who I killed last night? Yeah. Um, So Pauline and Marie then use a large trunk and they fold George into it. They attach. Oh, his Pauline name. hops right in. Yeah, she hops right in. All right. She's like, there are trunks. She's a ride or die. I was just going to say, she is ride or die. Um, so they fold him into it. They attach his ankles to his neck. What? And get ready for it. They cover him with a raincoat. <laughs> a raincoat. <laughs> what they attach they his ankles to his neck with? Where's a where's a blanket? A, a raincoat. What did they attach his ankles to his neck with? I would assume like ropes. I mean, sashes. Put him in a tiny <laughs> ball and throw a raincoat over yeah. him. Yeah. So where, then they got hungry go? and ate lunch. This is sure. like how do you still have it? How do, how do you, you have, have an appetite? appetite? Yeah, yeah. You, you just put like, your father yeah. in a, you know. just put your father in a in a trunk. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried about having a talk with a boss. I can't eat. These people have got a dude's feet tied to his neck in the trunk under a raincoat, and they're just making yeah, fucking a, a, a booyah base or something. It's like what the fuck? You have a big meeting in the morning, yeah. and I'm sick for days yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. And they're just eating yeah. like well, and French food is yeah. is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So then they went out and bought some rope to keep the trunk closed, kind of to tighten it up and, okay. and seal it. They call a taxi. They load the trunk labeled with an address to a fictitious person in Nancy, France. And they have the taxi take the trunk to the Gare de l'Est train station. You could do that back then? Just like call a 
call a cab. Hey, I need this taken to the trade station. They're going to drop this off. Like that's. I mean, she's take wealthy. This, take this Maybe really she... heavy raincoat to the train station for us, <laughs> what's please. In, what's in here? Rain. It's, it's rain a raincoat. When George did not show up for work, his chauffeur went to the police and told them about his strained marriage and his disappearance. When the police ask Marie about George's whereabouts, she says he went to Nancy to visit his mistress. Mm. Why would she tell him? Why would she tell them the the city that she sent the body? Because to? she's going to say they're, he went to see the mistress, and something happened between them, and he must she must have killed him the, last time. But there has to be a mistress. Is there even a mistress there? Like, why wouldn't you just send him to some random address? you know, a thousand kilometers away from Nancy. She insists that there's a mistress, but there's no evidence that there is. It's just, yeah, you know, her alibi. Meanwhile, a police investigator discovers an abandoned trunk with blood leaking from the bottom of it <laughs> in a baggage room like a at the train trunk? station. Like a steamer trunk? Yeah. So they also discovered that Marie had recently booked a trip to Mexico for only herself and Pauline and that George's bank account was empty even though he deposited a few thousand francs the day he was killed. She loves Mexico. Yeah, what was going on in Mexico that she wanted... Yeah, some, she, loved it. she loved it there. Um, so Pauline and Marie are arrested for murder. During her confession... In Mexico or here? Right now, here uh, they France. never make it to Mexico. <laughs> oh. They just found out that she had made plans here. to go. They never get there. So Pauline and Marie are arrested. During her confession, Marie stays very calm and explains what happened, stating that she grew jealous of George's mistress and killed him during a front confrontation about his affair. Mm. She took the pillow her husband died on, which was very bloody, and burned it, and threw the gun she used in a lake in um, Villa... Montmorency, which is a wealthy private community in Paris's 16th arrondissement, um, which, where they must have had property because she also burned the pillow there. So she couldn't be like out on the street burning a pillow. She... <laughs> One of Marie's literary friends suggested that maybe she was in a spiritual trance when she killed George. Oh, good defense. This should be an defense attorney, this, this person. Yeah, that's. <laughs> well, yeah, the police did not take that seriously. <laughs> Um, and while Marie was in prison she is said to have yelled from her cell I am a creatress and I cannot destroy I am not a woman who kills sorry lady once you're in there I mean they don't care what you're yelling (laughs) it's pretty clear what happened Um, did did Pauline did Pauline turn evidence uh, in school drop a dime okay we're getting into the trial right now both Pauline and Marie went on trial February 15th, 1921, and the trial was covered very widely by the French media. It was very dramatic, obviously. Like, you find a bloody trunk in a train station. Especially with rich people. You say and, covered by the yeah. media? Yeah. yeah. The media. Extra, <laughs> extra. Exactly. Um, so early on in her trial, Marie intimated that George left Paris because of financial ruin, which was the same reasoning she used for her first husband's alleged suicide. But both of them had valuable assets in Mexico that would have rescued them from supposed financial collapse. So clearly there's some suspicion. They talk about maybe exhuming the first husband's body to find out more about how he was killed. Yeah, I don't they, know they, how that They ruled out. that a suicide, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are they going to do in 19? Dig him up. Yep. Shot in the head. That's what, right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what they would have done. Can, if they can break down soup and isolate poison, <laughs> shot they in might the head. Be, we might we might be underestimating. Yeah, protractors, the, protractors the CSI out back then. messing with angles of uh, <laughs> angles of entry. <laughs> yeah, out of here. <laughs> okay, so in the midst of the trial, Pauline stands up suddenly and shouts, "I must and will tell the truth." She finally admitted yeah. that her mother killed George. <laughs> 
And good, for, good for Polly. Yes. Yeah. And as she's yelling this, Maria's telling her just to shut up over and over again. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Ixnay on the kill, <laughs> ayo. Everybody can hear you. So as a result, Pauline was not convicted and was released from prison. Marie was sentenced to 20 years in prison for murder and died there in 1931. And guess what? She's now buried with her first husband in the south of France. <laughs> oh, Probably had a plot there. They're like, you know how man. miserable her, her spirit is that she's not yeah. buried in Mexico? Yeah. And yeah. Motherfucker. And how about the, yeah. I mean, the husband is like, you gotta be, I'm, yeah. I'm next to her for eternity yeah, now? Yeah. Do you know how miserable, she was trying to kill me in real life. It's like, so, you know what she, how miserable she is right now? Just get this box of bones to Mexico already. Jesus like, Christ. <laughs> So that's it. Should we recount the dumb? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Seasoning a soup with lethal poison in front of someone in else. In front of someone? Yes. <laughs> and I'm, you know. I'm, I'm still shocked that they were able to, there was a chemist in pre-World War One France that could could isolate poison. What's I'm crazier? Pretty, I'm pretty sure he just fed it to a rat or a mouse. Like we said. <laughs> yeah, what's crazier? Oh, shit, shit, that thing died. What's yeah. crazier that like he, they figured out it was poison or dude knew it was poison and hung I, out, stuck I, I, around. I, I, like just, the sex had to be great. Just, the sex just had, <laughs> is it again, is a common theme through all these horniness. The sex had to be great for this dude. Like why? He's, like, uh, he's got all the money. Why is he hanging around unless he's under a love spell, which she did. She worked in that realm. Maybe he's under a love Maybe spell. Maybe he's under a love spell. Fuck it, I'm staying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just her. That's she's, just, she's crazy. Oh, Marie. Classic Marie. <laughs> Having a moment. <laughs> trying to poison. Man. Uh, Are you trying to poison me again, uh, you rascal? Good one. You almost got me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a running joke in their yeah. marriage yeah. of them trying to poison yeah. each other. And then, like four weeks later, <laughs> half his brain's blown out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. No offense to him, but come on, bro. Yeah, he, yeah. he should have gotten out of there. The second guy, he stays too. Yeah. Of course. He woke up getting choked out. <laughs> woke up getting choked he out. Stays. And she shot him and missed. Well, that's when he did say, I want to leave. And she was like, oh, yeah, I know that, all about that, your business. That's right. That's right. You're doing shady. I know yeah. all about your business. Your yeah. business. The trunk. The, the trunk with the. the well, the raincoat to repel like, the liquid. What they should have done is the what they should have done is put the raincoat on the bottom, so it would have so it wouldn't have yeah. soaked through the yeah. the the, uh, the trunk. But I guess they figured no one would find the body if the raincoat was on top. No of the yeah, I mean, they open it up and they're just like, "What is in here? Like it's, it's just this floating raincoat." It's a raincoat. <laughs> yeah. Her handwriting, Probably. her handwriting was absolutely on that trunk too. It's not like oh, she yeah. got somebody else to do it. Well, and she said he took. I, you know what? I didn't put that in the story. She told the police he took the large trunk with him to Nancy. <laughs> Nancy. Um, there is one big dumb that this happens a lot with people who kill their spouses. Don't kill the spouse twice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was a good one. I like that one. I like that. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jason. What's the socials? All right. Uh, so all you dummies can follow us at uh, Dumbline Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all the um, all the great social media sites. Just a reminder from last episode, we have uh, DumblinePodcast.com. You can uh, contact us there. You can send us messages. You can give us a tip. Um, and we also have a dumb line on there where you can call, leave a voicemail, and 
leave comments, do whatever. So just uh, we love to interact with you guys. Yeah, and when you do contact us, give us your pronouns. We should yes. probably do that here yeah. too because I don't do uh, it. I'm Greg. I'm he, him. I'm Jason. I'm he, him. I'm Maria. I'm she, her. So thanks for uh, tuning in. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again next, or you'll hear us again next time. As Maria concocts and researches another fantastic story, does not have Ishmael. <laughs> we need, we definitely need shorter names. Hey, my name's Ishmael, and I go by Joe. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Remember, we're uh, Dumbline. We're like Dateline, but we're dumb. Later. Thank you guys so much.